So people pray. Like non-Christians pray, Christians pray. When I'm in Malaysia, um, 5:30 a.m. I remember Muslims pray. You know that those megaphones coming from the top of the turrets of the mosque um, are blasting out some tunes. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but um, the the Sikhs who lead those those mosques are um, not always the best singers, um, but they really they belt it out at 5:30 a.m. Um, even people who aren't religious, like people who who don't believe there's anything more going on in this life, at times like this, people pray, see the bushfires, and go, "We all need divine intervention." Or you see the conflict in the in Iran, and and one commentator. I, I saw just a bit of clip of the news and he was just saying, like, we just got to pray that something catastrophic doesn't happen. I was like, you're making political commentary on a secular um, news medium and we're talking about prayer. And the disciples, they went to Jesus and they said, teach us to pray. But before that even happened, God's people had a prayer book which taught them to pray. And, and the praying church is the hot church. When we're, when we're in tune with God, when we're in love with God, we're praying. The praying church is the hot church. Charles Spurgeon, a famous preacher from ages ago, said that prayer is the engine room of the church. And so we're going to look at the Psalms um, over this year. We're going to like uh, spend three or four weeks in between each other series. I just keep digging into the Psalms, asking God, you know, what's it look like to relate to you? What's it look like to, to pray? Now, the Psalms have been called Israel's prayer book and Israel's hymn book, um, like prayers, hymns, because it's filled with both prayers and songs. Um, prayer is, is not just saying, God, please give me you know, the right teacher next week, or God, please, would I see that guy in the first week of uni again. You know, we, prayer is that, but it's so much more than intercession as well. And the breadth of the Psalms show us that prayer is expansive, it's diverse, it includes um, poems and songs, and it includes like lament, like just why God, how long, O oh Lord, why is this happening? There's prayers of like vindication, like smash my enemies, God. God, I've had enough. Just please. There's prayers in there of just silence. There's prayers of confession. There's creeds in there, like statements of belief. And that's like a prayer. There's prophecy. The Psalms are written by different authors over different time periods. We have David comes up a lot, but then you get like a, a Psalm of Moses in there from hundreds of years before. And so the Psalms are are the prayer and the songbook of God's people, um, but, but they're also the source of theology. The, the New Testament church actually had um, a lot of quotations in the New Testament from the Psalms because uh, the Psalms tell us who God is and how to relate with him. You know, Jesus and the, the early church writers quoted the Psalms a lot. And so we see both how to relate to God in the Psalms, like spirituality, but we also see how to think about God, how to understand him, theology. So it's spirituality and theology. 
I think if we thought of um, three ways the Psalms teach us, is that the Psalms teach us how to rightly acknowledge God and understand and be aware of Him. So how to think about God, how to be aware of Him, how to acknowledge Him. Then they teach us how to respond to God, like another, another layer, not just how to, to think of God, but how to respond. And then another layer, I'd even say beyond response, is how to relate, how to actually have relationship, like a, a friend, like a father, where you're in conversation and you're in, um, in a loving relationship. We learn how to rightly acknowledge, how to rightly respond and how to rightly relate to God. And we need this in this life. Like, in this life there is joy and there is pain. There are weddings and there are funerals. There is Saturday and there is Monday. Sunshine and rain. And so we need to see, and our life is like Melbourne. Sunshine and rain, wind, beach weather and get inside and stay inside weather. Life's like that and we need to know how to clearly respond to God, relate to God and acknowledge God. I was thinking the other day, I was thinking, will I ever get a self-driving car? I don't know. Can't, can't, can't say for sure. You know, Hopefully I've got a lot of years left to live and maybe one day that'll be the norm. But I was... Um, I was walking past a Tesla charge station and I was like, that is cool. I like that. And then the, like two days later, I saw a Tesla again and like kids were getting into the, the parents' car and the Tesla's like doors, they open up like, like it's a video game and then there's like a shape of a T and the kids just get in. And I was like, that is cool. But I don't know if I'll ever get a, a self-driving car. But one of the big questions I would have to ask if I was to ever start making that decision is I'd have to ask, how does the car know what to do? Who's orienting the car? Who's deciding what the car does? Who's setting its compass? Who's setting its moral compass? You know, if, as Dallas Willard, the, the Christian philosopher, says, he says, reality is what you run into when you're wrong. If reality is what you run into when you're wrong, how does the self-driving car know what reality is before it runs into something? Where's its true north? And in our, in our cultural moment, we get many messages that say, find your own true north. Calibrate your own compass. Work it out. But as we do that, it becomes exhausting and we get burnt out. Melbourne pastor um, in Blackburn, Mark Sayers, he says we're drowning in freedoms but thirsting for meaning. Like we have so many options and so much autonomy at our fingertips and yet we're burnt out and disillusioned by it all. I think like we're going to be the generation that invents the quarter-life crisis. You know, we're like, it's not, I'm not even 30 yet and I'm ready to retire. Like it's just, it's too much. There's got to be a better way. And the Psalms, and Psalm 1, which we're going to look at in a moment, says there is a better way. I always thought that I didn't want to have a prayer book. I was like, you know, I want to relate to God in a genuine, authentic way. I don't need someone else telling me how to pray. And authenticity and being genuine in your relationship with God is good, but 
being able to be oriented by the prayers of those who have gone before us is actually super helpful. I was thinking about dance. You know, someone said they went dancing the other night. A few people. I was at Sketches. Pam's not here today, but at Sketches, I was having a dance at Sketches. Like, they blast their music, and there's some hits. We're talking Calvin Harris, Bounce, great track, Selena Gomez, new album. But I was thinking about dancing. And the best dancers in the world, like whether they're professional or whether they're just your friends, you've all got that one friend who when they're on the dance floor, you're like, this is not a party to you, this is sport. Does anyone have that friend? Like, you're so into dance that this is, this is not a joke, this is not a party, this is a sport. All the best dancers, they've all studied the best dancers that have come before them. They've all studied Fred Astaire, Michael Jackson. They've done the moonwalk before. They've watched the moonwalk. They've done the moonwalk. They've watched the single ladies. They've done the single ladies. They've studied the great dancers of generations past. And then when it gets time for them to get on the dance floor and for them to dance, somehow the generations past, whether it's the moonwalk or the single ladies or whatever it is, it's in their bones and then they can dance and then they can create their own dances out of being steeped in the great dances of the past. And I think the Psalms do something similar. When we're steeped in the Psalms, when we're soaked in the prayers of God's people across the ages, we then can pray. We then know how to pray. Our prayers sound like the prayers of God's people. You know, Jesus did this. He was on the cross and he knew Psalm 22 really well. And so then he's on the cross, he's dying, and he he literally prays Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If you've got your Bibles, um, you can look at Acts 4. The same thing happens in Acts 4. Peter and John, they're getting like harassed. They've got all these people telling, like, trying to quash the, the message of Jesus. And they pray Psalm 2. They pray, where is it? I'll turn there even. Acts 4. Peter and John, they pray Psalm 2. They pray. 25, you spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. So people are soaked in the Psalms and then they pray the prayers of their heart, but with this alignment. An Old Testament scholar, Walter Brueggemann, he, he classifies the Psalms into three categories. Psalms of orientation, disorientation, and reorientation. And I think the spiritual life can be categorized that way too. We're either we're living in orientation, where we're like, yep, on the path. Disorientation, not on the path. Had a crash, feel like I'm drowning right now. Or reorientation when God's putting us back, straightening us up. So in Psalms of orientation and in moments of orientation, what God's doing is he's, he's helping us find true north. He's helping us find the way, orienting us to ultimate reality, better than the nav system that anyone could create for the self-driving car. 
But there's a lot of psalms about disorientation too, where it's all pain and confusion. And I just want to acknowledge that a lot of life with God is pain and confusion. Sometimes it can feel like we have to waltz into church and be like, yeah, I'm good. But sometimes we're not good. Often we're not good. Sometimes we feel like we have to come to God and we're like, hey God, I'm ready to come to you now because I'm in a good spot. But often we're not in a good spot. Disorientation, pain, confusion. The Psalms give a lot of space to that and say you can be with God in that space. He's with you in that space. And then reorientation. There's a lot of psalms and a lot of life which is about putting us back on the path. Refocusing, realigning, reorienting. And so Psalm 1. I can let's... I've got a fair bit on Psalm 1. I might hold most of that for next week and we'll do a really deep dive into Psalm 1 next week. But Psalm 1 is a a psalm of orientation. If you read Psalm 1, it says there's two ways, there's two systems. There's the way of the wicked and the way of the Lord. And it's, it's setting us up, it's orienting us and saying, Follow the way of the Lord. This is how you pray. Blessed is the one. And next week we'll get into this, but a better translation for blessed is probably the word happy or how happy is the one. Because blessed can be a bit... I've got a joke about this, but I'm going to save it for next week. But I'm not. I I want to do it. My tip, this is my tip for a Christian Airbnb. If you ever want to start up a Christian Airbnb, you should get a wall hanging that's in gold, that sort of calligraphy... You know that one? And it just says blessed. And you will get some hits on your Christian Airbnb. That's a guarantee, all right? That one's for free. Kelly's looking confused. Has anyone seen those, you know those cursive like sort of fonts that say like blessed in gold writing? Has anyone seen that sort of thing? Put that on your wall for a Christian Airbnb and it's a surefire, surefire winner. But, but blessed can become a bit of like a spiritual sanctimonious word. But, but the word, uh, the Hebrew word, ashray, could actually be translated how happy is. Like this is the system where you'll find life, where you'll find happiness. And so there's a system of, of happiness and there's a system of, of destruction. There's a system where you'll be able to drive the car of life around and stay safe and there's a system where you'll have a crash. God's orienting us in this system and, and saying that there's, there's two ways the way of the wicked and the way of the Lord. And I just want to tease it out. We're going to really get into it next week. But the way of the Lord, the way of the one who meditates on the, the word of the Lord day and night, the way of the one whose delight is in the Lord, that person's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in season, its leaf doesn't wither, and everything they do prospers. And so I just want to say, orient yourself to God because the way of the Lord leads to fruitfulness, it leads to satisfaction, and it leads to resilience. And in, in 
in our generation and in this moment, we need resilient disciples, people who are like a tree. We often don't dream of being a tree when we grow up, but maybe we need to, to be a little more like a tree. Resilient, fruitful, satisfied. That's just a, a little window into what we're going to get into next week. We're going to look at every single line of Psalm 1 um, and have some fun in Psalm 1. But what I want to do now is actually just think through um, orientation, disorientation, reorientation. And just get into groups of two or three and pray a prayer of orientation, a prayer of disorientation and a prayer of reorientation. So an orientation sort of prayer might be focusing on an eternal truth, something from the scriptures that we know is true of God that helps us ground our life, helps us ground our identity, our meaning and purpose. And we're we're thankful for that. So that's an orientation prayer. Disorientation is just a complaint, a cry, a why God, a how long, O Lord. Just something that's really hard right now or really trying or really confusing. And just you can just say it to God. And a prayer of reorientation is one where God's realigning, reorienting, healing, redeeming, and what's something that you're either hopeful for or thankful for that he's already done. So let's do that now. And then we'll sing. How's that sound? Groups of two or three, jump into them. Orientation, disorientation, reorientation. Hope that helps us practice prayer in the way of the Psalms. Let's get into our groups now. I'll pray to close at the end. Go for it.